Hi, friends of the pod. So before we start this week's episode, we wanted to let you know that we have swag and it's yours if you want to help us out just a tiny, tiny bit. So if you rate and write a review of the podcast, we will send you some of our groovy shit, including a Better Red Than Dead themed button and stickers. So for the button, you have your choice of one that says book jerk or one that is an image of Frankenstein that says large adult son. And for the stickers, you get two and one's of the logo and the other is a heart-shaped die-cut sticker that says, I like you more than Trotsky, referencing our 1984 episode. All you need to do to get your hands on this awesome, much-anticipated swag is to send a screenshot of you posting the review to betterredpodcast at gmail.com, along with the address you'd like us to mail your thank you gift to. So let us know whether you want the book jerk button or the Frankenstein button. And thank you very much for all your support. Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead. It's a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about Gulliver's Travels, which is either a children's book or Jonathan Swift's 1726 (laughs) satire about everything, 18th century politics, empire, science, horses, how gross people are, um, and whether those horses are in fact into eugenics. (laughs) So... Why Gulliver's Travels? This is like the easiest one. Yeah, I feel like. yeah. Why yeah. Not? So, as you guys know, I am I am a sar- a sarcastic jerk. Uh, as as we all, I mean, that's where we're friends, right? In a good <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yes, I I flatter myself that that's the case. Um, and yeah, I just I just think Swift's great. You know, despite his often reactionary politics, uh, he's fucking hilarious. He's scathing. He's amazingly better about everything, and in, in a funny way. <laughs> He, he loves poop jokes uh, and is generally into humor about the body. And I also think that he's a very incisive critic of the political, economic, and social. As leftists, uh, we, we probably rightly bristle at the conservative core of some of his critique. And I just, I, I do want to put scare quotes around terms like conservative or reactionary, lest historicists yell at us. I am using those terms a bit anachronistically because it's difficult to draw neat lines from 21st century political ideologies to 18th century ones, although I also think there are clear lineages there but uh you know that 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 aside a lot of his critiques i do think are kind of attractive to modern leftists he's very skeptical of empire he's not a fan at all of emergent capital uh, and he has a lot of interesting things to say about how scientific discovery um, and sort of what that ep- epistemology entails is radically altering how we uh, even perceive reality. And beyond that, too, I just like to have a conversation today, if we can, about what Gulliver's Travels teaches us regarding the political efficacy and limits of satire as a mode. There's quite a bit of left skepticism about that these days for reasons that I both understand and sort of agree with, but uh, sharply disagree with. Um, and I think Swift probably gives us some smart and complex things to say about that. Cool. So I liked this book. I remember I want to read it because I liked it for a couple reasons when I read it back in the day. One is that I am a horsey girl, or I was. Um, and so I love no. horses. <laughs> yes. Coming out of the closet moment for you. I know. I, I'm I sorry. like. I- 
I retract everything uh, I said about horses. I'm sorry, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tristan. I thought you were going to ask me to uh, leave the show, and um, take I'm your horses that, with you. <laughs> yeah, take your horses and 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 go. Um, yeah. So I like I love the horses. I liked the horses. I love the horses. Where my bronies at? Um, <laughs> they also come out looking hella good in this book. Like this is not an anti-horsey book. Except when yeah. they get sort of genocidal, which we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. why the long face. About that. <laughs> oh, oh. yeah. So the horsies, I, I will not stop calling them horsies now because it's probably going to be terrible. But the, <laughs> but one of my favorite things to do in, so I was in college when um, the play Equus was out with Daniel Radcliffe, and there were all these promotional posters of him naked um, in front of a white horse. And so for, to to honor the horses, what I would do in my dorm was sneak into people's rooms and make that their computer background. <laughs> but it was <laughs> but it was never it was never ever ever even once a good prank because I was laughing too much and like told them to check their computer backgrounds and they were like, "What? What happened? Absolutely, what is wrong with you?" <laughs> uh, the other thing is that the poop thing. So we're gonna I'm sure talk about that a ton. But there is one part of this where he takes a shit that's so big <laughs> that he questions like everything about himself. Yes. <laughs> he questions his character. He questions like who he is as a man. He questions. He's like, maybe I shouldn't have kids. I saw this shit I took and like, maybe I'm not fit. Like maybe, like, maybe there's something wrong with me. And who among us hasn't done it? Like who among us hasn't taken a dump that could impugn their character? Mm-hmm. True. Uh, in, uh, so this was not me, but in 1997 <laughs> in, in my high school in Delaware, uh, there was an episode called The Super Poop, which is still legendary <laughs> today. It was, I, I swear to God, the dimensions were the size of a Nerf football, and it had, it had a sibling <laughs> that was the size of a soda can. I am sad. I am concerned. I'm concerned for that person. We all were concerned. We're like, this is not. This person is 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 dying. Like, has only ever eaten meat. That is an achievement, though. I mean, truly, like that may be. That may be. One time, I saw huge shit in a rest stop, like or in a in a porta potty, and I went to therapy right after, so I had to talk about it. Uh, And my therapist was like, "Well, that may be like the best thing that person ever achieved." Like actually, like you may have borne witness to something. <laughs> your, your therapist sounds awesome. He's cool as hell. Yeah. Um, okay, so I wanted to read Gulliver's Travels, reread it because I, uh, Tristan, you said you read it in high school, right? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did too. I took uh, when I took AP Comp, we read a modest proposal, and I was like, this guy is the greatest guy, <laughs> and I must read his other stuff. Um, yeah. But that has a much broader satir or like maybe accessible satirical content mm-hmm. for a high school yeah. student yeah. um because the satire in this sailed over my head which i don't fault myself for like i just didn't know much about 18th century political history i don't think i've ever seen any of the movies which i guess is disappointing i also mm-hmm. wanted to reread it because this is like the goofiest <laughs> book that has ever been written mm-hmm. <laughs> it sure is That's like true this is some goofy shit right here and so like even if it's angry satire which i know it is it's also like playground pb humor (laughs) all the way through and i love that and it's always fun to read stuff that 
is like received as a like it's always two things simultaneously right like it's a satire but it's also like this bonkers ass kids movie and so like it's weird that something would be two things simultaneously and i sort of like i love that which is a little like when we talked about 1984 which is either like the touchstone of um generally insane people Mm. being like i felt exactly like goldstein when people yelled at me and i was like you felt like you felt like Trotsky? Yeah, yeah like Br- Brett, Brett Stevens, yeah. yeah. Brett Stevens? <laughs> yeah, most literally of them can't. compared himself to Trotsky. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep, mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. That checks out. Just that, that fully checks out. <laughs> or it's like a really lovely, legitimate critique of Stalinism that lots of leftists had been engaged in in the 1940s that feels recognizable to us. Like, it's what? two things at the same time. No. <laughs> no Not impossible. <laughs> and and like why would leftists even make a critique of Stalin? Like what? Why would? <laughs> yeah. I also just love 18th century works that feel like something like social commentary, so- social comedy. Mm-hmm. Meaning like some are explicitly satire, some are just being petty, some are just like people are stupid, some are farcical. You know, like there's mm-hmm. this big range of what I think of as social comedy. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And to receive all of it as satire is a little bit uh wrong <laughs> yeah no, no, um, no and i think it helps us to recognize how many genres there are in this moment of like really important flourishing that really persist mm-hmm. um and who doesn't want to talk about jonathan swift like he hates everything to a degree that's like i don't think even melville hates everything <laughs> as much as swift <laughs> I don't think Jane Austen yeah. hates everything as much as Jonathan Swift. No, he might no. be the angriest person ever, but he had a good sense of humor about it. So that he which did. is a, which is a very recognizable position to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's fully bonkers, but I still love him. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about misanthropy, what it's like to be giant, and what it's like to be teensy tiny. We're going to be talking about reason and how this book organizes its political commentary and satire. We're going to be talking about pee and poo because it's a big part of this book. And we're going to be talking about generally Swift's take on humankind. It's not very nice. So Tristan, will you just give us the sort of, (laughs) uh, give us the context for this. Yes, uh, I will try. Um, I will try to uh, keep it relatively concise because I do think that, like, for our audience, who I mean, this isn't an 18th century show, which it's fine. I understand it's not that. <laughs> talk to different, talk to two different jerks if you want that show. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, Although, hey, uh, let us not forget that I made my bread and butter on the 18th century. Yes. No. That, 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 is, that, is, that is true. Like two, two, two thirds, two thirds of us. Uh, I will but, note though that like I do have a lot of affection for it. It's just not yeah, like no. I don't want C eighteen boatcast to be my legacy. <laughs> no. uh, let me be clear: there's a little more to the 18th century than boats. Tristan may have steered you wrong about what is in the 18th century. <laughs> I, I, Besides th- th- poo I, jokes from wall to wall, because that is also yeah. a big 18th century trope. It, it, that yes, I like. yes, poo jokes, fucking jokes. Um, and I understand that ships. I, I, I. Well, I, un, I understand intellectually that ships are not everyone's thing. Although I, I can't 
sympathize. Uh, but Emotionally, anyway. it doesn't work for you. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so tell, us, tell us why Swift would write this, I guess. Yes, right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so in, in uh, today's popular culture, I do think that Swift is probably the most famous 18th century writer. He's one of the very few writers of the period that are still read outside of like 18th century literature classes. Um, you know, I mean, there's a fucking Jack Black movie of Gulliver's Travels uh, <laughs> and a lot of other movies. And I think that's because his satire is always operating at multiple levels, one of which is as a kind of general commentary on human nature that really does try to be transhistorical, right? Um, and, you know, the, the first time I read this, uh, you know, as we said, it was in high school. I knew jack shit about the 18th century, um, you know, and uh, I loved it, you know, and, and I would suspect that our conversation today will mainly focus on those themes. But I'll, you know, I'll just briefly sketch some of the main debates and discourses that Swift was engaged in that are of his moment um, and that seem best suited to kind of like deepening like a non-specialist reading or interpretation of it. Okay, so Swift was a founder, along with Alexander Pope, of a prominent group of early 18th century satirists called the Scriblaris Club, um, so named because they invented this weird character called Martina Scriblaris. Um, <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, How big were his shits? I, I, I can only imagine massive with a name like, I mean, look how many syllables are in his name. That's a, that's a lot of poop. That's, that's a lot of syllables. <laughs> yeah, for that's sure. That's you know. And so the Scriblarians were, by and large, Tories. Now, Tory uh, is still what British conservatives are called, um, and also in other parts of the Commonwealth. But in the 18th century, the term signifies a few specific things. So first of all, uh, Tories were pretty royalist. Um, they weren't so down with the constitutional limited monarchy that had been forming in Britain since the Glorious Revolution of 1688. They tended to be Anglican, uh, which is the official church of England. Uh, Swift himself was an Anglican minister in Ireland, or even like kind of closet crypto-Catholic rather than Puritans or, or dissenters like, like Daniel Defoe was. And they were economic traditionalists. Um, they're very suspect of emergent capital. Uh, they kind of looked fondly or nostalgically to a fantasy of like medieval manorialism, um, you know, a system oriented around the Lord of the Manor. You, it, it was like very far, like big farm based. And you had like one guy at the center of it and everyone had their specific social position that didn't really change. And, and that and, and like economic activity was kind of like it, it was produced in the countryside and it was <clears throat> sort of contained within that sort of world. And it's sort um, of, I mean, there's a sense of like uh, noblesse oblige. Yes, uh, no, it, it, very, very important to to the kind of Tory ethos. Uh, yes, that 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 uh, the, the the person at the top of, of the of the the social structure had this sort of like uh, you know had had obligations to their dependents and vice versa. That 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 kind of is the the, the glue that holds society together, uh, according to the the sort of Tory view of the world. So yeah, so so anyway, so in the 18th century, the Tories were opposed by the Whigs, W H I G S, who were no hair. No hair. Right. It did not refer to hair. Actually, it means Wigamore, uh, which is a term oh, for cat, cat, cattle driver, uh, oh. which which kind of implies the sort of like the sort of like kind of suspect proletarianness of the way the Tories kind of viewed what the Whigs were. Um, you know, they're Republicans. Whigs are proto-liberals. Um, again, that's a little breezy and anachronistic, uh, but also I think true. Um, Whigs opposed royal absolutism. They um, they were often religious dissenters and were very much the party of finance capital. And they were also on the winning side of the Glorious Revolution, uh, which deposed the absolute Stuart kings. Um, and, and they really did have global ambitions when it came to empire. By the 1720s, the Whigs are very 
very much the dominant political force in Britain, um, as they would be for the rest of the century. And in fact, Tory is an old Irish word that meant uh, outlaw or hunted because they were kind of like prescribed from political power. Uh, and, and so one of the reasons the Scriblerus Club and people like Swift turned very heavily to writing satire um, is as a mode of kind of political critique from mm. outside of the official power structure. So, that, so that's sort of like the, the political background of Swift and, and, and the context of the novel. So as far as Gulliver's Travels itself, it, it is a Torius screed against the changing world and political order. Uh, at multiple levels, like many readers have noted the, the rampant misogyny uh, in the satire's treatment of women and women's bodies. There is a kind of grossly royalist pining for tradition and this fantasy of the wise king. Um, but what's interesting and probably unexpected to me is that there's also a lot of stuff that I do think leftists, as I said, can really get behind, you know, very critical of, of empire being kind of first and foremost of that. Robinson Crusoe was only published seven years before Gulliver's Travels, and this is definitely a parody of Defoe's novel, not just its form, but also kind of its its, its implications. Um, incidentally, Swift hated Defoe and uh, Ed, Ed referred to him exclusively as, quote, that fellow who is pilloried, I have forgot his name. That's another uh, <laughs> one of those, like... Uh, petty. That, yeah, yeah, like literary <laughs> history is just like petty bullshit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, and and so in, in that vein, um, a few years later, uh, you know, as, as Meg noted, Swift uh, Swift wrote uh, a modest proposal, which is his 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 uh, most notorious critique of British imperial policy, where he suggests satirically satirically <laughs> that the impoverished Irish should sell their children as food to rich people. But it, no bad ideas, no bad ideas. No, I, I, mean, look, I understand. I understand why a lot of people at the time were like, oh, I think he might be serious about this, right? Uh, and, oh, and, and, uh, but yes, yeah, so, so there's the empire critique. Um, and on a different note, you know, as, as I said, uh, I think Gulliver's Travels has really interesting things to say about Enlightenment science. Um, you know, one of the most remarkable aspects of Gulliver's Travels are these staggering changes in perspective when Gulliver's either tiny amid giants or a giant amid really tiny people. Um, and, you know, not that leftists are all anti-science at all, uh, uh, but I just want to put that out there. Um, but the understanding that Enlightenment rationality um, is itself historically contingent, you know, ideological and rooted in material conditions with political ramifications for the world. I, I do think that is what Gulliver's Travels in part is thinking through, um, all of which makes it, you know, a super interesting object, I think, both, you know, for me as an 18th centuryist, but also as a leftist. One other thing I think that all I think we can agree on this as a group that all leftists can get behind is that women are icky and totally. gross. Oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, and so just to be just to be clear, just um, in general, a leaky, poxy, and nippled people. No, and, and I, yeah, and, and that like so people will like occasionally defend the misogyny of being like, well, it's actually just part of his generalized misanthropy, and like. Yeah, he sort of does hate humanity, but yeah, he is just sure. like so much more invested in like women's bodies are gross that it's like, no, I mean, that's clearly like misogyny. Right? I mean, it, like that's <laughs> it absolutely like, I think. Yeah. yeah, it can no, it, it can be both, and and like like I don't think it's completely wrong to just be like, but he just hates people in general. But I'm also like, but that's not like when you're like uh, like if someone's like, oh, it's not that he's a racist, it's that he just hates everyone. It's like, yeah, and yeah. he's also a racist, you know what right. I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's both. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so. it really is like both things. And you're right, Tristan. It's not like anti-science prep proper, but it has some mean things to say about scientists or academics. Yeah. Part of it is he's like, uh, scientists in particular are dorks. 
yes. and like that's <laughs> yes. your problem. Yes. For him. Yeah, th- yes. Uh, there's this, uh, which I think we'll talk about this uh, when he goes to Laputa, the flying island of like the the scientist dipshits. Uh, they're all well. First of all, all of their they all have one eye pointed directly up and one off to the side because they're so like in their own heads that it's disordered. They're kind of like physiology, and they're so aloof that they have these servants called flappers who like <laughs> smack them on the head with these right. like little rubber mallets to get their attention. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they are not actually wearing wizard's robes, but I I like transposed that so thoroughly onto that chapter that I'm yes. convinced that they are. I'm, yes, I know. I totally, totally. Okay, so Tristan, give us a summary of this. And it, it, it actually is uh, fairly concise plot-wise. Um, so Gulliver's Travels is divided into four books, um, each of which recount a specific voyage of Captain Lemuel Gulliver, um, <laughs> whom we learn in the very first line of the novel is the, quote, third of five sons of uh, Nottinghamshire gentry. Um, so each of the four books has a unique perspectival and or thematic focus, but each generally orients around the overarching theme that people suck real, real bad. So in the first <laughs> voyage, Gulliver discolors Lilliput, uh, which gives us the term Lilliputian for tiny things. Um, and everyone there is small. They're, they're one twelfth the size of Gulliver, or I think, uh, extrapolated to three dimensions. That means they're actually one, uh, they're, they're actually like 1728 times smaller because. Oh my God. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, <laughs> Here he gets to feel quite superior to the Lilliputians. Uh, you know, he mocks their their vanity and pretensions and violence because you know they're so small. Uh, their political controversies. There's like this bloody uh, d- uh, conflict about uh, whether you should crack your soft boiled egg on the big or the little end. Kind of like the Dr. Seuss's The Butter Battle Book, which my yes, which, my, which my which my which my three year old son absolutely loves right now. Um, a- as did I. Uh, read to your kids about nuclear war. It's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, Won't but, fuck them up at all. No. Uh, I mean, it didn't fuck me up, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you seem normal. <laughs> Regular guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, so Begulliver's great size in Lilliput also makes him super conscious of his own embodiment. Uh, we're told that Gulliver's shit has to be carried off in wheelbarrows by two servants appointed for that purpose. Uh, he puts out a fire in the queen's apartments by pissing on the palace, uh, which basically makes him persona non grata and he has to flee. Um, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like why are they mad? Why are they mad about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, the next voyage takes him to Brobdingnag, which is the land of the giants. And in Brobdingnag, the critiques of embodiment and morality are reversed from Lilliput. Um, Gulliver is repulsed by the giants' bodies, uh, particularly women's bodies, since all smells and pore size and everything else are so greatly magnified to him. Um, but Gulliver's own European bloodthirstiness is the object of derision by the giants. Um, you know, the king sort of threatens to put Gulliver. Gulliver to death uh, when he when Gulliver offers to teach the Brobdingnagians how to make gunpowder. Um, then book three goes completely off the rails. Uh, <laughs> Gulliver yeah. villa- visits uh, Laputa, as I said, um, the floating island where everyone is a caricature of this sort of aloof, dorky scientist. Uh, there's another place in that book where there's these people who are immortal, but whose bodies age like normal humans. It's very weird. Um, and Japan. Why not? Right. Right. Also, <laughs> I guess to Swift. An imaginary place. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then finally, book four concerns the land of the Hwinnims. 
Um, it's it's an onomatopoeia for the sound the horse makes. Um, and the Winhams are these uber rational talking horses who are also uh, quasi genocidal. Uh, Winham Land has has these nonverbal hominids, uh, violent hominids called the Yahoos, um, whom the Winhams basically want to exterminate. And Gulliver is so enamored of the Winhams and disgusted by the Yahoos that he returns to England completely unable to interact with other humans, including his wife, um, and spends the rest of his days in his stable talking to his horse, at which point I think he is a full-bore sociopath. Tristan, uh, will you just tell us why, I mean, like, uh, besides the extremely generous putting out of a fire, why would you pee on the Queen's house? So this is the 1720s. Uh, Tories are out, of, uh, which Swift sort of was one, are out of power. Um, and, I, you know, I think just sort of partially like kind of pissing on the new Whig royal order. So I, I like I think it's just honestly a lot of super petty, like early 18th century Tory shit about like, well, these these kings suck. Like we want our good things back. Um, I, I think <laughs> I think that that's what the specific like 1720s political satire is doing. But, you know, I mean, it's also like pissing on a pat like at, at what period of history is pissing on a palace not going to be a political symbol of some kind you know what i mean so (laughs) um Mm -hmm. okay so let's also i know this is like sort of going to the heart of the matter but like we just have to talk about like what the people are that he encounters and like what are what's their deal what's the satire we all have wondered like is this about a satire of humanity or humankind at large or really specific political orders could it be both so so one interesting thing like i I do think yeah like each of the each of the the kind of like versions of people whether they're big or small or whatever uh have specific (laughs) satiric functions but i think one thing that like does emerge is that no period where human society is good is like stable like Mm -hmm. in lilliput the lords to get preferment they do this stupid ass fucking thing where they like dance on a string uh but then we learned that like oh this is this is like some bullshit that's only happened like fairly like within a few generations um it reminds me a combination of like um limbo the doing the limbo and also the uh ribbon what's the kind of floor gymnastics where they do yeah rhythmic gymnastics rhythmic gymnastics yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. i was like hell yeah they're ribbon dancing but then it yeah. seems more like they're climbing like they're doing flips and climbing and shit because they're always yeah. like this one splatted his head on the ground and like this one right. broke both of his arms right yeah but right but like yeah and lilliput actually is kind of my my sort of my favorite uh a book i think um but but like in in in, in brobdingnag uh we're like next to the 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 enlightened sort of rational winhams um i think the brobdingnagian giants are probably the most ideolo- like they, they have this very kind of like spartan virtue sort of society mm-hmm. but like there's this moment where the king's like oh well we still keep an army because like a couple like basically a couple generations ago we had this big civil war so like i right, think that yeah. like even even when he encounters like a society that seems to be relatively stable and kind of virtuous, there's always this fear that it's like it's just it's like one dumbass from just completely collapsing into like human shit. Yeah. And how yes, totally. wildly stupid your reasons are for going to war seem to just be on a very small spectrum of wildly stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> the other fucking funny one is the the floating island Laputa. Um, <laughs> so the reason why they're not having wars is basically because like the the island floats on 
magnets. Yes. And uh, and so like the king will just be like, listen, if you don't behave, I'm going to fucking sit on you. Yes. To, yes. Like with yes. my island. Yes. yes. But it turns out that like if he sits on them with the island, it's going to break the magnets in the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So he's just yeah. like lower very slowly. <laughs> so it's like it's like this way of avoiding war is just like, I'm going to fucking sit on you if yeah. you don't calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But like it's not really a super real threat because you can't just like smash down, you know? Yeah. It also seems yeah. unlikely he's going to do it, right? Because they – this is where I feel like is – um, my self-consciousness about the critique of the academy where yeah. what their their projects are is things like if we look through the human shit with a fine enough fine-toothed enough comb <laughs> we will be able to find this person's like fundamental criminal flaw oh yeah no, this is so good though yeah they get the, they get the shit and they're like uh, listen okay yeah. here's what we do food Food turns into shit. Yeah. So shit should be food. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 like it's like the South Park episode where it's like, if you put food up your butt, will you crap out your mouth? And, <laughs> yes. and they, they do. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. But they're constantly no, I, so like, blowing I, things up people's asses in Laputa. Yes. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. I think they kill the well, guy kills kill the dog. dog. He's like he's 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 like, let me fix him by blowing a bunch of stuff up his ass. And the dog yeah. dies and trying to revive him by continually blowing shit up his ass. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh Megan, before we started, I know you were saying that you think like and, and I, I said too, I think book three goes the most off the rails. But I do think that like the critique of like a kind of reason or like enlightenment thought that's being expressed there does shed light on some of the kind of concepts and epistemologies of the other books. Uh, if I if I could share like one one passage, right? Uh, so Laputa, as we said, it's like the floating island. It's on this magnet. There's this land that it's like kind of has its subjugation called Balnabari below hand. Um, and so, and so here, so he, at one point, uh, uh, Gulliver is on, is on Balnabar, he's talking to a, he's talking to one of the local lords, um, and, and he gets this sort of history of, of like how the society has gotten so fucked. Uh, so that was about 40 years ago. Uh, the certain persons went up to Laputa, either upon business or diversion, and after five months continuance, came back with very little smattering in mathematics, but full of volatile spirits acquired in that airy region. That these persons, upon their return, began to dislike the management of everything below and fell into schemes of putting all arts, sciences, languages, and mechanics upon a new foot. To this end, they procured a royal patent for erecting an academy of projectors in Legado, um, which is the capital. Uh, and the humor prevailed so strongly among the people that there is not a town of any consequence in the kingdom without such an academy. In these colleges, the professors contrive new rules and methods of agriculture and building and new instruments and tools for all trades and manufacturers, whereby, as they undertake, one man shall do the work of ten, a palace may be built in a week, of material so durable as to last forever without repairing. Uh, all the fruits of the earth shall come to maturity at whatever season we think fit to choose and increase a hundredfold more than they do at present with innumerable other happy pro uh, proposals. The only inconvenience is that none of these projects are yet brought to perfection, and in the meantime, the whole country lies miserably waste, the houses in ruins, and the people without food or clothes, uh, by all which, instead of being discouraged, there are 50 times more violent, uh, bent upon prosecuting their schemes, driven equally on hope by despair, that as for himself, not being of an enterprising spirit, he was content to go on the old forms, to live in the houses his ancestors had built, and act as they did in every part of life without innovation." 
um, that some few other persons of quality and gentry had done the same, but were looked on with an eye of contempt and ill will as enemies to art, ignorant and ill commonwealthsmen, preferring their own ease and sloth before the general improvement of the country. Um, and then it, 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 you find out that actually the Lord has been shamed into like, he had this very like well-working like water mill. And they're like, no, you have to build that up on a mountain because the water in the mountain is, it, it's more aerated. <laughs> and, and so now like his mill doesn't work anymore. Right. Like, what? They're all trying to finish their dissertations. They can't yep. do it. Yeah, right. They're doubling down, <laughs> no, tripling down. I, I, yeah, like I, as an as an academic, kind of like, oh damn, this stinks. But but like, <laughs> but it's but not like, wrong. It, <laughs> you know, no, it's yeah. it's not wrong. And I think that like one of the things that the book is trying to, as a whole, is trying to separate is like reason which is this sort of like intuitive faculty that, that equates very cl- uh, closely with a kind of like moral uh moral understanding like you just yeah. you see the way like a thing should work and like you can figure out very simply how a system of either government or a system of management of land or what have you should work versus rationality which is like this very kind of rarefied head up your own ass navel gazing academic shit like Ideal reason to Swift simplifies the world and makes things clear, whereas this version of reason makes things so complicated that they cease to function. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or the human capacity for reason, I think, is really important to him. Yes, absolutely, and 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 that and one of the reasons why the Wenhams, the horses, are so uh, idealized is they seem to have uh, intact this like innate and intuitive capacity for um, this kind of simple form of reason. Yeah. Yes. There's also the thing where like so it's it's you have to be educated mm. but you can't be overeducated. Yes. So like when he's talking to when he's like on Professor Island um he he's like it sucked because I had to talk to like all the dipshits and women because they were the yes. only ones who were even like <laughs> half like who were half intelligible. But so it's like but he's like but it still sucked cuz like I don't want to just talk to like ladies all day even though they're not like total not you know like well, right. So there's some middle thing. Yeah. And, and like part of why like Gulliver is like kind of such a dipshit is he does like as he's listening to like these uh, projectors, which uh, we, which we should notice uh, is like it's a pejorative early 18th century term for people who like, yeah, basically coming up with cockamamie schemes for like how the world <laughs> should work. That, like the, the guy like trying to find food from poop like Gulliver's like, oh, <laughs> really? Like, I mean, he does it yeah. like he, like there is. Yeah, like there is a moment like when when he gets to Horse Island, he does finally be like, oh wow, like yeah, I guess people are just real dumb. But like, but but for most of the book, he's like, oh hmm, like yeah, maybe that yeah. So anyway, but the food from poop guy, the food from poop guy, he goes into the room and he's like, <laughs> I see this guy, he's covered in doo doo, he smells terrible, yeah. and and he's like, and the guy he's with is like, like don't say anything because he's gonna get his feelings hurt. Right. Yeah, and then he then he goes in and he, the guy's like, I'm trying to like uh, i get barrels of shit and i dig through them and try to make the food from the poop. yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the guy gives him a big hug yeah oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's true right. <laughs> and he's like yeah. very glad that he can go rinse off wait is there also uh, a scene where one of the baby yahoos poops on him grabs him when he's swimming naked Oh, yeah, that is a fucked up scene. It's a like, super yes, fucked yes. up scene. Yeah, it's an eleven-year-old. It's an eleven-year-old girl who is like that. Is it like Gulliver's? Like she was overcome by lust and basically tries to rape him. And it's yep. just like this. Is, this is a fucking weird, weird chapter. Oh, that's like, a different one. There's one yes. where he's handling like a tiny, like an eighteen-month-old Yahoo baby. Oh yeah, that's, oh. that's and it shits all too. over him oh. because although that's one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, that's what babies do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, the scene with the 11 year old is when he's like, that's how I actually knew I was a Yahoo because she like it because he says like, oh, I knew that she wanted to like have sex with yes. me. And that means that I am like her. Right. Right. Yeah. That 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 is like it. Yeah. It ends up being this very kind of like ontological like crisis for him because up till that point, he's been like, oh, yeah, I am totally not the like the, these Yahoos. The, 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 the Winhams are just wrong about me. Like I'm this different thing. And then he's right. like, oh, no, maybe, maybe, maybe that's not right. It's um, a little bit like the capacity to lie which the Winhams don't have or they don't have mm-hmm. the structure of it i don't know if it's capacity but it's something like that and that when he comes eventually back to england and he's like telling is it in england or is it on the boat with the portuguese people where he can't lie to them about his journey and they're like you're clearly full of shit and he's like i can't lie I think it yeah. must be he must be on the boat, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he's like yes. prancing around, and everyone's like, "Why are you being weird?" Yes, because you you yeah. dance, you walk around like like a pony. Yeah, there's moments in the book too. Like, so when he when he comes back from the land of the giants and he gets picked up by this ship, like <laughs> he's like scream because he's had to like yell so loud to get the giants to, and so he's on this boat. He's like, "Hello!" And they're like, <laughs> "They're like, dude, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you?" Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, um. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and okay, so like, what is the human capacity for for reason, and why? I don't know. So, like, what's oh, maybe a question is like, why does the book lead toward the Yahoos? Like, what structurally demands that we get through like teeny people, giant people, island of professors, uh, horse people? So Tristan, you were saying this uh, when we were talking earlier about like, so he has a bunch of weed thoughts and he's like, what if people were really tiny? <laughs> yeah, what if people totally. were really huge? Yeah. What if there were, what if we were, what if you were just on an island with a bunch thoughts. of magicians? Yeah. He's got, yes. True, very true. Yeah. Psych- psychedelic thoughts. And so like, so he's, we're going like through these people and he's like, what if there are, this is a, this is a pure weed thought though. Like I see these tiny people. What if they're even tinier? Yeah. Good point. <laughs> so it's like, we have all these like things you go through and then what you get to at the end is like the two ends of the spectrum, yeah. mm-hmm. which are the yahoos and the winnems. And but what he's all, it's important that they're fucking horses because yeah. he's like, actually yeah. the two ends of the spectrum. It's not like, it's not like people, people can be kind of like, like the horses, but in fact, like people can't really live with the horses. He's, we're not really idealized horses. He can't stay with them. He's not one of them. Yeah. And so like, I think that is like the, 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 that's the big bummer because well, we had on a real down note. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, right. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and I do th- like so. I, I also think that like the que- like so. Why is he so fixated on on poo? Uh, like because <laughs> because like that because I think that that like embodiment sort of signifies like vice and desire and like the non-rational aspect of the human brain right so it's like that it, it's like anything that is like of the body for like symbolically in gulliver's travel signifies like the yahoo impulse and not the like um it, like the, the 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 mind impulse right and like he, does that, have you ever seen a horse take a shit they walk around with fucking bags strapped to their asses like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> somebody's never been on a carriage ride. Yeah, right. I uh, I think that that it's not perfectly <laughs> translatable to like love or sexual impulse, but I find it interesting that the Winhams like 
they make more horses, right? Like they have to have a girl horse and a boy horse when they're in a couple. But as soon as right. as that the when the <laughs> woman horse is menopausal, then they break up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is like the point of love or sexuality or whatever is not to like ride on some lady's nipple, uh, which he does in in Brobdingnag. Brobdingnag yes, yeah. the, I'm not making the, this up. The, no, yes, that is. I, yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, one. Of, I think one of the one of the the maids or something sets him astride her nipple, and yeah. it's like horrified to him, right? And he's like, he's like, can you please, like, can we please avoid her? She keeps putting me on her tit. <laughs> She's always they, and it's like in a room with the maids where they're constantly taking off their clothes in front of him. Well, they take yes. his clothes off yeah. and put them on their tit and put him on their tits. Yes, yes, yes. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But like so that yeah. version that's the rational version of love. It's like you make two yeah. two more horses. There's a boy horse and a girl horse. That's all you need to continue the species. And if you have a if you have two kids and one's a girl horse and one's you a trade. boy horse, you swap somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's you amazing. have to get to yeah. Yeah. You just swap uh, you just trade them. Yeah. Yeah. You swap them out. Yep. Um but it's okay. So like so all of I like all of that makes sense, and I think that that's like the, the, the this is really good sort of like um, synopsis of some of the main like points of critique here. Uh, but I do have a couple questions though that like I've never been able to resolve for myself. One of <laughs> Only which a couple is that, that's like, amazing. Okay, <laughs> just a couple. That's it. I mean, that's otherwise yeah, okay. I have this shit figured out yeah. totally. <laughs> you know? I, I, no, not would. not not. not not even close, not even close, right? Um, but like, okay, so first of all, the fact that he then returns to England having encountered this idealized society of like the rational horses, basically like fucking like Wilbur for Mr. Ed in his stable <laughs> and like doesn't, can't talk to anyone, yeah. just like a complete sociopath. Like, I yeah. don't think the novel is actually suggesting that the, like, yes, this is where you should wind up. Um, and, and even Fair. before, but be, and, and like, and, you know, partially because, like, yeah, as you were talking about when he saw the show, like, the Portuguese captain picks him up. It's like, dude, we pulled you out of the sea. Like, are you okay? And he's like, you disgusting asshole. I can't <laughs> believe you're a person. Like, this is not, you know, this is not, I don't think, be like, oh, this is a good reaction. But then, like, also, like, what do we do with the Wynnum's, like, genocidal impulse? So, like, in Chapter yeah. 9 of Book 4, yeah. like, there's this debate. Uh, of Like, all the horses get together and we have, the question was to be debated whether the Yahoo should be exterminated from the face of the earth. Like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, then, and it goes on, and then like, and then uh, Gulliver's uh, master, as he's called, the, the, who's a horse, is like, mm, I don't think we should do that. Rather, we should castrate them and make them basically mules, and then the problem will take care of itself. But in either case, it's like, okay, so you, you horses are eugenicists, uh, or or like. You know, like, and, and I do like, okay, so like, does the novel think, well, yeah, I mean, basically, that's what humans deserve for like, this is like a weirdly like uber violent reaction to a problem in the world. But I just, what I don't know. what he's using as his model is how people treat horses, right? Yeah. Yes. So yes. he's using, yep. he's saying like, Gulliver has told him that here's how we raise horses. And for the most part, we geld them when they're like mm -hmm. two-year-olds. And of yes. course, his master is so horrified by this that he's like, uh, I can't believe it. But also like, of course that's how Yahoo's would treat Wynnum's given yeah. the given, given the reversal of the power structure. And mm -hmm. yeah. so there's a sense that like that will calm them way the fuck down. But also that part of the big problem here that I can't work out is about like 
the the people of Gulliver's world, the Yahoos, own the Winhams, right? They like take mm-hmm. possession of yeah. them, yeah. and so that's a problem that the Winhams then encounter when they're like, "Do we kill all these Yahoos, or do we do something else with them?" Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I so I think like so this uh, something you're getting at, Meg, like uh, it, like this this book is uh, really important to the kind of like developing field of animal studies at the moment. Um, particularly, like it, it is, yeah, it does actually seem particularly for an early 18th century text to be super cognizant of like the the ethics involved in like the relation between the human and the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that this is like one of several moments in the text where like you know the way like imperialists behave in the world is yeah. like is visible and, and not and not like mm-hmm. oh we as like 21st century readers are imposing this on the text no i think that like there are several moments throughout where like gulliver's like hmm, like i mean one of the big ones is like when he's uh you know he's basically teaching or trying to teach the, the broptic nagging how to make gunpowder and uh the king's like you europeans are fucking homicidal assholes no you're not going to teach us how to do that right um, why i think is a big thing that he says like why would you blow people up on purpose like why would you invent this technology that's just like its whole point is to kill people yes but meanwhile he's like oh we'll just cut their fucking heads off like there's (laughs) an execution yeah yeah yeah, yeah, no you're right you're right you're right um and and the and the winnings too it's like they're you know they're like like violence is their uh is their answer to this problem in a way that i like maybe the text is okay with it but i kind of think it's like not really and i and i think partially why i think not really is just because like the kind of subject position that gulliver returns to human society with is so fucking broken and mm. just crazy pants that mm. like i it, <laughs> He doesn't learn a solution of any kind in yeah. Wynnum Land. Like I think, quite the opposite. No. Um, it it actually, even though he's seen like this putatively ideal state, it actually breaks him even further as like a functioning rational being in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think part of that is what you were talking yeah. about earlier, Tristan, which is like uh, we humans, yahoos, however we want to think of ourselves, both, I guess, are have reasonable capacity. We have qualities that are native to us or how you however you want to describe that what we're incapable of doing is sustaining them together mm-hmm. yep yeah i think that's definitely right i yeah i think that's i think that's the problem for him is very much like it is the person and then it's like how do you make a society out of a bunch of shitting huge nipples gross <laughs> Like, right. you know, and there's no like, and even the like, he even says when he's um in horsey land, he's like, oh, actually, like our nobility is even grosser than like Yahoo than, nobility than me, yeah. like Yahoo, a regular. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they have but to I have servants just- that are like lesser Winhams, right? So like they have some fundamental intelligence gap where they're like, oh, these or oh help me out Tristan I don't know how to how to make this legible it's not racialized or is it that the yeah it is okay because I I thought it was but then I noticed like uh being a literary historian of a different moment you a person interpret you know like those signifiers mean can mean different things so I just was like are the fact that they're sorrels marking yeah so he sees himself as more like the Winhams when he understands horse racism. Yeah. He like that's part of like what he sure. gets him like in a little yeah. bit more. Is yeah. He's like, oh, I'm so with these people that I can be like kind of racist like they are. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, I I don't know. For me, like what you're saying, Katie, is that I think I noticed something racialized, but I think as like someone who doesn't know the period, you don't know what's at stake when yes. uh when you see these codes of racialization. Yeah. yeah? That's hard. Yeah. Um, and so what you're suggesting is that what's at stake there is that he like finds himself in relation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like bonkers, yep. but really important and interesting. Yeah. It's also so he finds himself in relation, but he's unable to face himself when he does. Right. Yeah. And so like he can situate himself in um in this social world, but he can't like when he catches a glimpse of himself, he's disgusted. Like right. he right. can't like he can't better look at himself. He can't. So he even says, like, I, I wouldn't take my clothes off in front of the horses because I wanted them to think I was more I was less like mm-hmm. the Yahoo. Right. Yeah, that's right. And stuff. So he that's keeps right. on his like weird, very strange looking garb like yeah. as long as he yeah yeah like it, yeah his clothes are falling apart and he still like refuses for uh, to to like take them off because he's so ashamed yeah but the horse is like no like get naked let me just like look at you yeah and he like <laughs> yeah, stands yeah. there and gets like super cold while the yeah. horse just like looks at his naked body yeah, which, right i mean there's there there sure as shit is some like colonial implications and legacies in that scene isn't there like and or yeah. just being the, around yeah. horses and having penis anxiety yeah right oh yeah totally that's right that's sort of that that there's <laughs> that yeah right. actually that 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 uh that is it that derrida essay where he's talking about how like embarrassed or freaked out he is standing in front of his character changing his in front of his cat yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep it, but oh he covers he covers his dick he says when yes he's naked yes oh that's right because right. he yeah, uses a little uh girdle i think is the word he uses his shirt <laughs> yep. as underpants yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. I just love how many times yeah, I totally have to tell does. people like I'm not making this up about this book. No. No, it's all it's all This no, is not a really fever serious. dream where I'm like I just thought about poo a lot. No, I mean but it, it is this is what this is why people who aren't like 18th centuryist or even in like a in like a, a college class read this because it's fucking weird and hilarious and just, you know, like yeah. Well, and that's why I got I was like uh, shout out to Kirsten Saxon at Mills College for her like brilliant teaching of 18th century stuff because you realize <laughs> like how fucking cool this moment is. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, rules. It's uh, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, okay. So right. let's let's talk about Lilliput because that's where the book starts, right? Like that's where yeah. Gulliver goes on his first. That's where he's washed up Crusoe style. Yes. And tied to uh, a giant uh, wheelie wheelie cart yeah. by every yeah, part of his that's body. That's where he finds out. Yes. yes. Uh, he finds out he's not into light bonded. <laughs> no, he is not. <laughs> well, I, it's not even that light. He's like totally, it's it's like, like, totally immobilized, right? Like that. But uh, I do yeah, like he, learning uh, that by, like, by... his reason amounts to I could squish these guys, but I think I'm not gonna squish these guys yes yeah um he does have like a, a desire a bunch of times to like grab a handful of them and just like toss them. yes yes he <laughs> yeah. does he does uh so he get like when he when he arrives uh he like you know after they've they've tied him down and been like okay so you're not gonna you're not gonna kill us right um he he gets this proclamation from the emperor and, and I, i'll just read a couple sentences one because i think these words are hilarious uh and this is all in caps Golbasto mamarum evolome gordillo chef and mully gully uli. 
most mighty emperor of Lilliput, delight and terror of the universe, whose dominions extend 5,000 blessed drugs, about 12 miles in circumference, <laughs> to, to the extremities of the globe, monarch of all monarchs, taller than the sons of men, whose feet press down onto the center and whose head strikes against the sun. And it goes on like this. So it's just like, I, I mean, yeah, it's like, it, it's like, uh, it, it's like uh, the satiric kind of capacity is just so great there that it's like, oh, like what would happen if people were really tiny? Well, first of all, they would look absolutely ridiculous because, you know, I mean, aside from the nonsense language, this is like like, I mean, have you ever actually looked at like the official title of like the Queen of England? It's like by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, Queen Defender of the Faith, like just just that kind of shit, <laughs> right. which is like, yeah, when the person's like 1700 times smaller than a regular person, it's like yeah this is real fucking ridiculous you know and that's so like what why what is the joke that they're like uh we're gonna fight the guys who break the egg at the other end (laughs) right yeah and and, yeah well that's interesting because that like so that um that like that's been taken as like kind of signifying like either like the tory Whig controversy or like some other like kind of active political disputes of the day that basically is like look this shit we care about is all nonsense i yeah because he goes to the giant land and he's like the giant is like laughing his ass off because he's like are you a wig yes yeah yeah yes yeah exactly exactly there's also (laughs) <laughs> there's also this thing that happens though which is like when gulliver is uh meets the lilliputians the first thing he does is like he can get free enough to i guess take his dick out and just pee <laughs> yeah. like everywhere yes. and it's like a river of like a river of piss okay so he is like he's like above them he's like bigger minded uh, than they are yeah. but his doo-doo and pee-pee are also enormous yes so yes it's like so it's like there's something going on there too where it's like yeah like i come out looking pretty well like wiser than these little tiny assholes right. but also my shit and pisser like so it like magnifies <laughs> yeah. it magnifies his bodily like thing that he can't get away from even though he's above them in terms of intellect or like some he's got like more yes. perspective right he might yeah. think he's smarter than they are but it doesn't mean his shit doesn't stink and in this case it's like literal yeah i also yeah. love yeah. the moment where they're like we could kill him but then we'd have to drag the biggest corpse ever yep Yes, like a that's million right. when miles away. <laughs> when they when they've kind of decided that he's like a, a traitor because he pissed on the palace, and also he won't help them crush the rival kingdom of right. similarly small people. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, we have to kill him, and then they're like, ooh, what if we just starve him to death, and then his corpse won't be so huge when yeah. he's when he's dead? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, they're yeah, they are an interesting teensy tiny teensy tiny people. Yeah. They're like Barbie doll size, right? He says six inches. Yeah. six inches, except for the emperor, who is an, who's taller than the others by the height of his fingernail. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. <laughs> and he has yeah. elegant yeah. features. Yes, he does. So yeah, that is like he he does kind of think that the emperor is like pretty hot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. But then he could, yeah, th- what, it, what, uh, in Brobdingnag, like, cause when he sees how gross the giant's bodies are, he's like, oh, this is what I looked like to the Lilliputians. Yeah. But yeah. he's like, he's like, yeah, I was so freaked out there cause they'd be like, this person is hella gross. I'd be like, but they're beautiful. And it's like, cause he can't, he like, because can't his, see. yeah, cause his size is they so, also uh, or think the, yeah, the perspective stinks. doesn't work. Thanks. Yes. Yeah, because he probably did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. There's this other 
other thing too where he's <laughs> he's like this enormous stinky like stinky stinky guy yeah. and he's hanging out with one of the ladies and they're like what do they think that they fucked or something yeah. like that's like everyone's suspicious and yeah, i'm just yeah. like like, of what? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel badly that I that my imagination went in like, did his whole body? Yeah. What? Or you? I have. Are you saying like, did the lady put her like hug oh. his giant wiener to them or like? What? No, because because Katie's talking about Lilliput, not Brobdingnag. Oh, because there's a part in Brobdingnag oh, where sorry, they sorry. suggest that. Yeah, she tried to he, fuck yeah. him. Yeah, and I was like, did she yeah. just use his whole body as a dildo? <laughs> yeah. That, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which seemed yeah, like a suffocation I, risk to me, but yes, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I that is that is kind of the implication there, yes! though, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, with Swift, yeah. I my imagination is always a lot less gross than his. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, church, like. Going to Jonathan Swift's church must have been a lot better. That must have been a ride. Yeah. Because he's like the holy Uh, doo doo of of the saints. Yeah. He he was the fucking dean of St. Patrick's Cathedral, like that, which I always like blows my mind. Lauren Sturd, too. He was a fucking like country reverend writing this really dirty, awesome, like kind of satirical novel, you know. But anyway. So how? But again, this is because in this. No, I was just going to say, this is this is the era where if you went to college, your choices were doctor, uh, reverend, or if you were really trashy lawyer. Like, that that yeah. was kind of what college meant in the day, you know? So, college. Uh, but all perverts. Good yeah. for everyone. Go to college yes. at Princeton yep. University. The finest university in even in big people, when I read about big people and small people, whatever size they are, Princeton, it's what's for dinner. Be good at stuff. Pony, time for ponies. Princeton for ponies. Genuine, my pony. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so let's talk. We're pro. We're pro satire on this pod. Yes. Yeah, very. We do not consider very. satire the the territory of the bourgeoisie. No, I mean like so. Okay, so like yeah, there is there is this kind of version of like tanky leftist that's like, oh yeah, remember when John Stewart like mocked the Bush administration into not doing the Iraq <sighs> war? I don't either. Owned, and it's like <laughs> okay. yes like there are definitely limits to satire also liberals are not like the most left satire out there by a mile so uh, but but yeah it like look i mean um among many things that i think satire enables as we see in gulliver's travels is it it gives you a mechanism for drawing out sort of ideological contradictions and instabilities like you know as as we've noted like you know know, swift is a misogynist swift is a Mm -hmm. fucking royalist like a lot of ways Mm -hmm. he sucks and yet like wow there's actually like a really sort of interesting and smart critique of empire in here and like yeah like some of the things he's pointing about about like how fucked up human society are are like critical of power structures in interesting ways and so i i just like i mean there's and you know and people are still like you know people are still like reading this and and finding um uh you know those kind of like active political themes 300 fucking years after it was written so i just i i reject that idea 
completely that satire is like some bougie indulgence that doesn't actually have like import for politics well and like i rejected uh too i agree with you entirely on a slightly different grounds as well which is like i feel like anyone who's read works in the sort of like black satirical tradition which is really significant although very much sort of like Mm. understudied uh would know how important that is so like i know that george schuyler turned into a total fucking nut but (laughs) black no more is so smart a satire that like you can turn what in like black people into white people but what turns out happening is that like the people who've been turned white are whiter than original white people reminding us of like the degree to which our categories of racialization are completely made up and Mm -hmm. are like still nonetheless the terms of like violent hierarchy is like a smart satirical critique that really punctures uh essentialist views of racism and like that's a really really important work and it's not like a it's nuts to say that that's just like a liberal yeah critique and or counter-revolutionary in some way that's just like a bonkers thing to think but i think that when these people are talking about satire what they're talking about is like oh isn't colbert just like mild and it's like fine i don't give a shit Yeah. yeah yeah It's like all, it's just, I think it's just as reductive as like all comedy is the same. Yeah. You know, like it's not just doing one, we don't just have one sort of like vantage point for skewering something. I know. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like, okay, you managed to dunk on a liberal. Congratulations. Like the easiest thing in the goddamn world to (laughs) do. Yeah. So like if, if the limits of your politic is, uh, Oh, like, yeah, Colbert was super funny, huh? And then you don't do shit. Like, yeah, that's a problem. But like, as leftists, we're supposed to be super critical of everything, including ourselves. Yes. And like satire offers like a really great mode of, uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's entertaining, but it also like lets you see the world and like, oh shit, like that. Yeah, that's actually really fucked up. I never thought about the way in which that's fucked up. And that like, that's an essential part of good left discourse. I would be Mm -hmm. so sad if we just like lived in a humorless ideology. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like comedies won't be necessary when we're all like when class distinction have has been leveled. And, and I think like that's not true. That's no. nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I mean, and also like, okay, say like let's say that's the case. I think I'm a big believer in like I think we need utopias, that's fine. But like let's not behave as though we're living in a post class society and we don't need comedy now. Yes, totally. Agreed. And swift but but it's also that like there are moments where swift is incoherent and so that's why we have to be like he has these satirical moments that we find that we love and that we love this critique of empire and that we love like maybe don't try to own people because that seems like probably ill-advised but yeah (laughs) yeah of course sometimes he's like radically conservative reactionary nuts doesn't like nipples yeah yeah, right. And and like and even so like one thing that you know we uh we didn't talk much about today which is fine but I but like that but I do want to suggest that like um so this is talked about as a novel and I you know that makes sense but I don't think Gulliver is a particularly novelistic character particularly because he doesn't he he kind of to me reads as like this um like it, it's a satirical position uh that is like endlessly morphable based on what Swift wants to say on any given page uh right after we get the moment where he is like Wilbur for Mr. Ed in his stables he actually 
actually offers this very scathing critique of like, yeah, I'm not going to tell the king about these places I found because he's going to fucking try to conquer them. Yeah. And that's bad. Like, like it's a very, mm-hmm. it's like a very like well thought out, particularly for the early 18th century, anti kind of imperialist statement. Um, and, and yeah, and that, and I think that's because Gulliver's not, you know, he's not like a coherent like subject category right. of, of like the novel, but rather he is like, he just is like the he he is like the satirical voice and potential of critique uh, that does whatever the fuck Swift needs him to do at any given moment, and I actually think that's a really useful, um, critical and like kind of discursive device. Uh, so, Katie, what uh, what do we got to talk about in our last couple of minutes here? Oh, I have questions for you. Right? Okay. Are they? Have, if they're about I have poo, questions. can I go? Answer these riddles three about <laughs> doo-doo. And you may cross the bridge. <laughs> um, well, I do have questions for you. Um, and uh, so the first one is, okay, so we read all about these different weed thought or 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 mushrooms thoughts places we went to tiny people we were like what if the tiny people had tiny people inside them we had huge <laughs> people we had what if they're tiny we sheep? Had magicians uh, what if they're tiny sheep what if i put them in my pocket um what if i do it all okay so imagine that you are gulliver and you 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 can't actually go back to your wife you hate take my wife please <laughs> king of queens for sure at the end you have to stay in one of the other places. Which one do you stay in? I like I. I think Lilliput, just because like, the, I, I mean, like you want to be king the, of the, the guys. Giants, <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right. I think yes, that's right. I maybe that doesn't say great things about me, but I'm just like the horse is like no, like just fuck no, like uh the the I, I don't know the Laputa. If you could like I don't know take over the flying island, that might be kind of cool. Uh, but the, the giants are nice. I, I mean, yeah. the giants are like really kind of cool. But like I would be always terrified about like getting stepped on or like their you know pigeon carrying me off. So I think it's just yeah, I mean Lilliput just for safety reasons. Like yeah, you could. You can you could own them anytime you wanted to, you know, like True. if you had to piss on their palace, you could just do that. So I to me it's like Lilliput, I'm just gonna feel like the less anxious all the time, I think, you know. I think legit. that's very legit, but I am gonna go in the opposite direction, say Brob Dingnag, because I read a ton of stuff when I was a kid about the borrowers or like the teensy teensy people. of our of our world or like brownies oh okay yeah Yeah. okay so you could yeah yeah, yeah. you could kind of be that the sort of like the the kind of like uh the elf or fairy of the like yeah and so i'm kind of into the like living the life of the of the teensy teensy person who like um you know when you're when you're doing playing cards it's like a it's like you have a giant you know all your all your five cards for five card stud or like the size of the poster board or like, I kind of like the idea of being a tiny person amongst giant objects. Mm-hmm. You could, you could have You're like, gonna... you could have like an ant as a pet. Like you could yes! probably put an ant on a leash, a leash and walk it around and stuff. That might you be kind of ride cool. it. Yeah. You could ride your aunt. Yeah. Pro- yes. I don't yeah. love or the maybe, idea you might, of, maybe you would need a... of having to battle giant rats. That's which true. he does do. In this Ooh, book. You, no. 
That is so fucking funny when he yes. gets he battles the rat and he's covered in blood and he's like smiling. That, yeah. at the yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that yes, yes, that that is an amazing, an amazing, a kind of kind of badass little dude. Uh, see, you could saddle up a bee and ride that awesome. shit around. Like yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. love to ride a bee. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to keep a cricket as a pet. Yeah, yeah. I find crickets less yeah, icky right. than ants. See now, I, now I'm kind of wish I, I I just wish I were braver about the world and that I yeah because I because I could see yeah I could see, if you're if you're fine with like constantly having to fight off you know like bear sized rats then like, <laughs> and, <it's>, and <laughs> enormous titties enormous, yes, and enormous titties. titties and yeah, yes and enormous <laughs> enormous titties and everything smelling uh, like cumin rot all the time yeah yes big giant but I don't have to feel self conscious about my excrement <laughs> right that's that's <laughs> true whereas in lilliput it yeah yeah you you got well although i don't know i guess you could just be like well yeah i just made that giant pile of shit but i'm also 1700 times yeah. bigger than you are I so what the fuck are you, you at do? any moment <laughs> yeah, like, this is me. Although they are going to put his eyes out, so like it's, it's they're dangerous there too. They are. They're, they're going to like put his eyes out to punish him. True. True. Damn it. So there's it's risky any way you slice it. Um. Yeah. So here is my question number two for cool. you. Um. Okay. So there is an eye. There is a there's an area that he goes to where everyone is David Blaine, Chris Angel, Mind yeah. Freak. <laughs> bringing the de- bringing the dead yes. doing necromancy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right there's also so like there's also other stuff that goes on with magicians in this book too which is like so the the whole floating island is magnets which is how nine tenths of magic tricks yes. work mm-hmm. <laughs> true yep. okay so that leads me to your question there was a television show in the late 90s called magician secrets revealed <laughs> wherein uh- a masked magician unveiled all the tricks like how do you make an elephant disappear okay it's mirrors how do you cut a lady in half also mirrors <laughs> how do you escape from things mirrors mirrors it's yeah. all mirrors yeah. Yeah. it's all fucking twins mirrors. yes it's uh, twins or mirrors or magnets yeah. all the way down my question is a do you think that was fucked up of him to do and b if so, which of the Gulliver's Travel societies would you leave him to for justice? I don't think it was fucked up for him to do because magicians piss me off, man. <laughs> like, like, oh fuck, oh like, oh like, what, what card do you think this is? I like, fuck off. I don't care, you know. Like, so I, I'm fine with it. I kind of, I, I actually, yeah. Um, but I mean, he's also a magician, so where do you send him? Um, Exactly. Yeah, I uh, um, you know what? Fuck it. Make it. Make him one of the people who uh, who are immortal, but Ooh. they're they're but their bodies age because you know. Mm. Fuck that guy. He's also a magician. Even even if he's betraying the magician, he's still a magician. Some straight so. death becomes her shit right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's yeah. dark. I like it. I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> I respect it. Uh, go ahead and reveal the tricks that involve mirrors and stuff, because when you've seen a magician explain like a like a close-up magician explains sleight of hand you're like oh that actually looks really hard <laughs> yeah no it, it, it yeah, yeah it does and actually that that part of why i'm pissed off at magicians is like when i was eight i really wanted to like become a magician but the Boy thing culture. is like i'm not good i'm yeah it is i'm not good at things <laughs> 
like <laughs> at all. And so like it was like I would I would like a card trick would be explained to me and I would just be struck with the realization that I would never have the dexterity to do that, even though I knew how it worked. So it's partially jealousy why I'm so pissed off at magicians. I mean, I, I just yeah. like I like sleight of hand stuff. I feel like it's kind of cool to see somebody like also you have to memorize all the cards like that's how you do those card tricks is memory. Yeah. yeah and yeah. sleight of hand, yeah, which I yeah. think like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. But the stuff that involves mirrors or disappearing an elephant or whatever, I'm just like, you all deserve to be Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Like, don't keep a fucking tiger around, ding dongs. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. And so, for that reason, I'm gonna put them all. Even though it's my it's my dream to live in Lilliput, I'm gonna put them there to be eaten by kitty cats, mm. house cats. Mm, okay. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah! Wow! But imagine, imagine, like I think that this this is fucked. Like part of the reason it's fucked up is because um. Okay, so you put them in. You put them in Lilliput to be eaten by like a million tiny kitty yes. cats. <laughs> that is sick. <laughs> oh, that's sick. Okay, well, we all read this whole that's book. Sick. <laughs> that is balanced and normal. <laughs> I just like. I sort of am into the. I'm just the visual is doing is like cool to me of like, uh, you know, like an action figure of Thor getting eaten by a kitty cat. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, um, what, do we have a third question? We do have a third question. Okay. So, in this novel, there are endless mishaps and misadventures related to pee and poo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he almost gets um, his eye stabbed out because he pee pees <laughs> to put out a fire. Um, yep. The the poop has to be carried away in wheelbarrows. Yes. Um, pee poo everywhere. <laughs> boobs all yeah. kinds yeah, of yeah, yeah. you name it we've got it okay <laughs> honey i shrunk the kids and everyone's he drank all of the um, wine they in lilliput they gave him what six <laughs> barrels of wine and he drank it all and he was like yes i'm gonna help you out i gotta pee on your house uh-huh yep <laughs> yep it's a real a real hemingway-esque uh intervention <laughs> yeah, yep yep on his part i drank so much i was a hero yep. um okay so but we all have we all have mishaps and misadventures related to having to pee or poo Mm -hmm. or or tits falling out um would either of the two of you be willing to share one such misadventure Mm. i have had more than one like boob pop out mishap Legit. Because you never had to they like and i i assume double-sided tape has been around (laughs) but uh uh, yeah it's not you need it at times Mm. to keep everything (laughs) where it gravitationally should be which is down right and not like up Mm. out out of your bustier thing right outer space outer space boob just like so no i i mean like and usually it's in a club or something because that's where i which again is like from 10 years ago uh Mm -hmm. but it's just usually from like accessorizing with tits that it's like something is just gonna like make its escape right sure so i've had booby escapes (laughs) Mm -hmm. in public but like but like haven't you ever had to pee so bad you made a bad decision 
like yeah. that you went somewhere where you shouldn't have gone or like um i i have uh i keep a tupperware container in my car so that <gasps> i often have to pee and i have uh, to pee so bad that i'll pull over and pee into the tupperware okay that's amazing oh, yeah. yeah yeah um that's i've cool. definitely peed okay. in an alley like very drunk yeah. at 23 years old that that's yeah the tupperware container that's i that, i respect that's delaware style i have to say i respect that like uh uh but i i mean look like one of the reasons that i enjoy going to my parents house uh in in the woods is uh i don't i just go out to the trees <laughs> To, you know, not 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 to not to not to poop. But it's what. It, so Christine, Christ, Christ, my, my wife is city, Christine City, and uh, I grew up country. City. So like, uh, so she'll be so that, that was like one of the weeks we draw. Be like, oh, I, I just got to go to the bathroom, and then I would go out like the back door, and she'd be like, what what the fuck? And I'm like, no, we're in the woods. It's fine. Like what? It's all about <laughs> <And her>. <laughs> <laughs> that but, is that. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's mishaps. Pity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss mishaps. Uh, one of the ones that uh, actually, I just I just told you guys this before the episode. Uh, yeah, I uh, I I had a, a favorite. This is way back uh, when I was a child. I had a favorite pair of of coveralls, which are turquoise. I wore them all the time. And uh, one time, my mom came into the room and I was crying because I think it was like after I had been potty trained, but I had had an accident and and pissed all over them. I'm like, I peed on my turquoise corduroys, and it was very cute. Um, and hey, guess what? Uh, th- those those I would. Never Never wear them again because I was like uh, I, I I just can't. Uh, but they now belong to my son who is none the wiser, uh, and they're still very cute. They're still very cute about the incident. Uh, and and they've they've been washed many times in the intervening period. So I Tristan, I thought that you also had a story about peeing, not you personally, but like that um about the people that you grew up with would pee on electric fences. Or is this somebody else? No, that's my dad's story, and it's not from Delaware, it's from Iowa. Yes. Like that he yeah, that that was that that his that my dad, uh like a, a an acquaintance, I won't say like how close, uh like someone was like, Yeah, you, you should pee on the fence. And my dad was like, No, I'm too smart for that. And this other kid's like, Okay, and yeah, so yeah, and I, I'm I'm country I'm country on both sides. He has a, he electrocuted <laughs> his dick. I think he got yeah. I think he got. I mean, didn't electrocute him. He's oh. five, but I think yeah. He there's a, there's a shock. Uh, yeah, I do not. I'm lucky enough to have never experienced genital shock. Yeah. So congratulations. I feel Congra- like yeah, it's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. What I'm realizing is that, like, because my entire life is just, oh, like... Oh, I thought um, of one, which is when I visited my sister in Los Angeles, uh, and um, just sometimes this happens when you travel, like, had a had a terrible UTI, and it was, like, you have to go to the hospital because you can't go to your right. doctor because it's, like, oh, I had to go to fuck the fucking emergency room in Pasadena with my sister, and I was, like, so upset by having to be far from home and, like, 22 and just, like, yeah. that I made her carry my my pee jug everywhere <laughs> like my sample <laughs> i was like you had to carry this because i'm too sad <laughs> oh, no. but it's like very much my relationship with my sister that i'd be like you have to carry my pee and she'd be like all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay hey, that's good siblings man <laughs> she's great she's the best I- yeah your sister is the best Oh, but like as a person with a dog, Megan, like I would have oh, two dogs. I would, I would have like the juju. Like I was babysitting your dog once, and I thought she had peanut butter on her nose, and it turned out she, um, she had just stuck her nose in her own. 
interruption. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that I took uh, my beloved dog eighteen months to be housebroken. Oh wow! And wow. she now is like it's not a problem except that she did poo on the house not this year but the July fifth of last year. Uh, and I was just like, that's just you poor kid. Like yeah. you just thought the out of doors was a war zone. My yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> My my asshole cat has decided that she will no longer poop in her litter box. She poops right beside it. And it's like we, we even got two litter boxes <laughs> to see if that would fix the problem. But no, she's just too good to poop in the fucking litter box. Cats are horrible. What is your what does your baby say, Tristan, about like daddy scoops poop? Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Yes, that he. Yes, for a while it was. For a while it was. Daddy cooks cat litter because he only knew a couple verbs. But now, but now it's now he'll now he'll now he'll yes, yeah, just like now he'll just now now he'll just go through like public settings. You like daddy scoops cat litter. Daddy scoops cat litter. It's like yeah, that okay, cool. That's my that is my identity now. So, yeah. Uh, okay, this has been better than dead. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find me on Twitter at Tusslersaurus. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at BetterEdPod, R-E-A-D. And email us at BetterEdPodcast at gmail.com. But only if you think you have a bright idea for putting out a fire that doesn't involve pissing on the palace – in which case, you can quit listening to us because you sound like a counter-revolutionary. <laughs> Our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate and review us and subscribe. It's all of our dreams for people to say nice things about us. It's just good for our common self-esteem. So tell us that we're pretty. Uh, in coming weeks, we will be talking about the fall of the House of Usher, Heart of Darkness, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, Little Women is up there at some point. We have Ulysses coming up in a few weeks. I am fucking pumped. I'm the only one. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. Horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course, that is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. A. Go right to the source and ask the horse, he'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. A.